Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And we're continuing together working through Genesis, part 191 in season 2 of our journey through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And you'll remember when we started looking at this verse 25 yesterday, I've called it Growing Old Gracefully. Now we saw last time that Abraham got married in order to fulfill the will of God in his life, that being that many nations could come out of him. So let's just take a moment and look at who they are. And so she bore him, this is Keturah, his second wife, she bore him Zimran, Jakshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Asurim, Letuzihim, and Lemumun, and the sons of Midan were Etha, Epher, Hanach, Abida, and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. That's Genesis chapter 25, verses 2 to 4. Now, verse 2 to 4 lists the sons, his grandsons, and his great-grandsons by this new wife, Keturah. So these verses are telling us that this one woman has had six sons and seven grandsons, and at the time it was written, they also had three great-grandchildren together. So he gets married to Keturah, and she gives him six sons. But if you drop down to the next verse, it tells us this beginning in verse 5. And Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but Abraham also gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had while he was still living. He sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. Now this is really fascinating because it fills the gap in some of the earlier narrative of this story by telling us Abraham, when getting to the end of his life, sends his wider family away, out of the town, out of the country in fact, probably to where we would today call Saudi Arabia. He sent them to Arabia and many biblical experts say that these sons came the Arab nations alongside the descendants of Hagar and Ishmael, which we were told about earlier and how he sent them that way. Now I have mentioned this in this series that Abraham is really one of the most widely respected men in all of history. He's recognized by Jews, by Christians, and by Arabs and Muslims, who all trace their heritage and their lineage back to Abraham. He literally became the father of many nations, and in doing so, clearly, he fulfilled the will of God. But look again at verse 5. It says, Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines. So he has all these children, yet he is seen to try and provide for all of them. But the text also points out that the main bulk of his inheritance is given to Isaac. So again, he's being sensitive to the will of God, as clearly he had been called to be the father of many nations. But the bulk of inheritance it has is going to go through Isaac. And that's what the passage, I believe, is trying to just make sure we understand as we read through it. You see, because Abraham clearly decided in his old age to have more children, but that, of course, was still in the will of God for him. But therefore, as an old man, and after Sarah's death, he did get married, he did have more children, but he still maintained that the bulk of his inheritance went to his son Isaac. 
He is concerned about keeping and fulfilling the will of God in both having children while at the same time making sure that Isaac remained his main heir. Now I would like to suggest that this attitude should apply to us not that we should go out and have lots of children with different people, but in the sense that as we grow old, we should remain concerned about the will of God in our lives. So the first part of this passage is the decision he made to plan for his death. And the second part of the passage, which we're coming up to, will tell us what happens after he dies. But the message of these verses here is really quite straightforward. Believers will die, we will all die, so we must ensure that the work begun by us, the work of God begun in us and by us and through us will continue after we are gone. Now it may be through our children or it may be through some other means, but in one way or another thought should be given to our legacy as Christians. All right, I said that this passage would help us understand how we should grow old, and how we should grow old gracefully. And the way to do that, we are seeing, is to remain and to continue to walk in the will of God. Now, this passage so far mainly talks about family and property, but let me suggest to you very clearly that this applies to other areas of our life. But before we look at that in detail, maybe a question that quite fairly is raising in your mind is thinking, well, I'm not actually old, so how does this thing apply to me? Now, I'm addressing this message and I'm addressing it to everyone, but everyone who's listening to this perhaps falls into one of two groups of people. Some of you are probably already quite old, but rest assured the rest of you are heading that way at a very rapid pace. Well, you might say, first of all, what we need to understand is what is the biblical definition of being old? We're going to get to that next time, in fact, but what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the New Testament for help in us, to a little book called Titus, because I'm going to tell you what the criteria for being old is, according to the Bible. It might be a bit of a surprise, and it also will give us some further hints on how to grow old gracefully. I hope you can join me right back here again tomorrow when we look at Titus chapter 2, but we'll do that next time. So that's it for today. I hope to see you back here very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye for now.